Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Pastor Mark Job teaches us how to stay passionate in our faith through every season. Some of you right now are living at a season where your faith is red hot, but I want to challenge you. It won't always stay that way unless you determine, I am going to learn to live my life continually stirring up my heart so that it stays consistently red hot for God. Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago and president of Moody Bible Institute. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. As believers, sometimes our faith can feel a little bit like a roller coaster with ups and downs and twists and turns and, let's face it, occasional drops. But, Mark, today you're starting a new series about maintaining a steady and growing faith, or as the series title puts it, a red-hot faith. You know, Wayne, sometimes we've come to accept lukewarmness as the normal. Mm -hmm. But in the Bible, you always see God's expectation of us to be one of fervency, of red-hot faith. Yes. um, you know, the only people that like lukewarmness are Europeans when they drink uh, their water without ice. It's just, uh, but God, no, God wants it either hot or cold. Right. And uh, for believers, it's a fervency of spirit. And so that's what this uh, series is all about, how to maintain a fervency of spirit and what it does to a church, a people, a movement. Well, this is sure to be a helpful series from the book of Acts. So let's go ahead and get started with our first message titled, Keeping Your Faith Red Hot. Here's Mark Job. How many of you know that sometimes we go through seasons where it seems like our faith is really on fire, we're really loving Jesus, really obedient. We want to pray. We want to get into the word. We want to worship God. Our heart is alive unto God. And then there's other seasons where it seems like that fire starts to dwindle. I think if you've lived in Christ for some time, everybody's gone through seasons where their faith has been really, really red hot. And then seasons where it says, hey, what happened to the fire? Where has it gone? Let me tell you something today. You cannot keep red hot faith without working on it. It takes work to keep your faith where it needs to be. In fact, let me give you a a picture, a scenario here. Most of us, what happens is our, the temperature, our spiritual temperature inside is deeply affected by the temperature around us. And if you live in a world and go to school or work at a job and live in a neighborhood where people tend to be spiritually cold, it's easy for your fire to quickly start to diminish and your spiritual temperature go down and it starts to look like everybody around you. It's just the way it is. If, if you take cold ice cubes and you put it out on an 80 degree day, those ice cubes will quickly melt because whatever temperature exists will typically be affected by the greater temperature around it. 
Uh, you take a red hot cold and you take it from the fire and it's just a matter of between 15 to 20 minutes before it no longer has almost any heat in it because it's adapted to the temperature around it. It's a natural law, a physical law, and it's also a spiritual law. Uh, some of you have had seasons in your life where your faith was red hot and now it's not. Some of you right now are living at a season where your faith is red hot, but I want to challenge you. It won't always stay that way unless you determine I am going to learn to live my life continually stirring up my heart so that it stays consistently red hot for God. I believe you can live your life with a faith that stays red hot. I don't believe you have to live a roller coaster life. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how this happens and what we can do to maintain our faith red hot. In Revelation chapter 2, you don't have to turn there in your Bibles, let me read it to you. Jesus speaks to the church of Ephesus and he says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent, do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Well, the Apostle Paul was telling this church, this church had started on fire. I mean, there were so many miracles that happened in the town of Ephesus that it was incredible. In fact, so many People that practice sorcery and witchcraft and idolatry came to Christ at the same time that they built this huge bonfire and lit this bonfire up and had a huge burning of all the idols that they worshiped. I mean, the town was turned upside down by radical conversions. But now a couple decades later, that same church that had started with a lot of fire has a letter written to them by Jesus himself. And Jesus says to the church, I have something against you. Do you remember that first love that you had? I have against you that you have forsaken your first love. And then he tells them how they are to return to their first love. And he gives them a severe, dire warning at the end. He says, these are the steps that you need to take to return to your first love. And he says, remember where you've fallen from. And I was, remember what it meant to have your first love. Repent, which means to turn around, start doing the things that you used to do in the beginning. And then he says, but if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I've been to the city of Ephesus where this letter was written. Of course, it's an ancient city and it's in ruins. But you know what surrounds the city of Ephesus right now? It's in the land of Turkey. It's a Muslim country, actually. Very, very few Christian churches around there. In fact, to have a Christian church in Turkey, there's been persecution that's happened. Very, very small minority of Christians. Something happened where the next generation did not keep the fire that the first generation possessed. Recently, I read a book 
called Movements That Changed the World by a theologian and author, professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And he studied movements, uh, movements that would make an impact, movements that would change places, historic movements that had affected thousands and thousands of people. And as he studied movements all the way down back to the book of Acts and people like the Moravians that sent the early, the first missionaries out and had a 100-year prayer meeting that never stopped living radical for Jesus, or the Methodist movement started by John Wesley that affected thousands of people in England and started and spread and affected this country as well, or the Reformation movement or the Anabaptist movement or many movements that affected many people spiritually, he discovered that those movements had five things in common. Number one, they had white hot faith. Their level of spirituality and, and fervency was always higher than the culture that they lived in. Number two, they were committed to a cause. All these movements had a clear commitment to a cause that was compelling. Number three, they had contagious relationships. They were people that were not isolated. They got into the neighborhood and into the community and they made, they affected the places in which they lived. They were not isolated. Number four, they had rapid mobilization. These were not people that just sat and listened to things. They mobilized and moved people to action, committed to the cause. And number five, they had adaptable methods. None of them uh, just did things the same way. They entered into a culture and they learned how that place needed to be touched and they changed their methods of doing things to reach that culture. I was thinking a little bit about who we are at church. But God has given us much more than just the vision of being a church. God has given us the vision of being a church movement. Uh, do you understand the difference between a church and a movement? I believe that every church that embraces the gospel of Jesus Christ should feel like a movement. A church is not a place where people come just to hear a good message and improve their lives and worship together and develop community. Oh, that's part of it. But a church that really captures the message of Jesus becomes a movement because it makes disciples, it sends people out, it affects other neighborhoods, it looks outside of its four walls and it says, how can we change the world that we live in? That's a movement. When Jesus planted or started on the, when, when Jesus gathered his disciples together, he said, wait here in Jerusalem until you are baptized from on high with power. So the disciples gathered together in Jerusalem after Jesus had been crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And they gathered together and they prayed. And then something extraordinary happened at a prayer meeting. It sounded like there was wind coming from above and then there was a sound that other people could hear. It was audible to them and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were empowered in a fresh new way with the power of God. And Jesus had told them, I want you to wait until you are baptized with power from on high. 
And then I want you to go and be witnesses unto me to all the nations. And I go with you. That sounds like a movement. As I thought about movements that change the world, I started thinking about white hot faith. You see, the greatest ingredient to be a, a world changer, a neighborhood changer, a family changer, is that first of all, your heart be set on fire. Our greatest challenge is to make sure that our heart doesn't grow cold. Our greatest challenge is to make sure that we stay on fire with God. Anywhere where there's fire, there'll be warmth. Anywhere where there's fire in our hearts, there'll be changes. That is your greatest challenge, is your heart staying on fire with God. And we'll continue this message from Pastor Mark Job in just a moment. You're listening to Bold Steps Weekend, and right now we want to invite you to reach out and let us know how Mark's teaching has impacted your own walk of faith. Send us a note when you visit boldstepsweekend.org. We so appreciate hearing from our listeners, like this letter from Tricia in Ohio, who said, Thank you for your great sermons that are so relatable and easy to understand. I'm very thankful to be able to listen to you. God bless. Thank you, Tricia. And I want you to know we always welcome questions from our listeners, whether it's about this lesson or faith in general. Please let us know what's on your heart by going to our website, boldstepsweekend.org. Click on the tab that says, Ask Mark a Question, or send us an email. Our address is boldstepsweekend at moody.edu. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to Mark Job's message about keeping your faith red hot. As I started to think about this, I, my, I was drawn to Acts chapter 13, and it's the passage I want to look at today, because I see in this passage three things that the early church did to keep their faith red hot. And I want us to take a look at this found in the passage of Acts chapter 13. I'm going to be reading verses 3 through 4. I'm sorry, 2 through 5. It says, while they were, this is the church of Antioch. The church of Antioch was the first Gentile church that had been planted up until that time. Let, let me rewind a little bit for those of you that are not that familiar with how the church started. The very first, first church that was started was started in Jerusalem. After the Holy Spirit came upon the people, they gathered together. Thousands of people came to Christ. They had a baptism in which 3,000 people were baptized. Imagine that. Last year, over a period of six weeks of time, we baptized 200 people. That was a lot of people. Imagine in one day baptizing 3,000. All of a sudden the church was 120, and the next Sunday it was 3,120. Imagine the chaos. Imagine the messiness. Imagine 3,000 people that really don't know much about God or Jesus saying, all right, we want to follow him. Imagine the people living together, uh, the, the wrong beliefs they may have, the distortions and so forth. But that's how the church started. And so many people came to Christ that the church grew into a mega church in Jerusalem. The only problem was there was no other church. There was just the Jerusalem church. 
Now, I, I want you to understand something. Jesus was very clear. He said, go ye therefore and make disciples of whom? Of all the nations. And he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The problem was that when the church gathered, they all stayed in Jerusalem. And they all thought, this is great. We're all together, one big happy family. We're one big mega church here in Jerusalem. Everybody excited. People were saying, I really like to listen to Peter. Man, Peter's awesome when he brings the word. Whew, wow. The apostles are there. People are moving to Jerusalem. People left their towns, moved to Jerusalem. Some scholars say that the church had grown maybe upwards of 20,000 people by the time at one point in the history of Jerusalem. The problem was that the church was not following the directives of Jesus because Jesus said, I want you to go to the world, to the nations. And so God brought about, how many of you know God can bring about his will even through difficult circumstances? When we don't obey, God sometimes puts the pressure on us so that we will obey in a good, loving way. And because the church was not scattering, because the church was not doing what God called it to do, God allowed persecution to break out against the church. The persecution was so severe against the church in Jerusalem that believers started fleeing Jerusalem and running from Jerusalem and believers scattered everywhere because they could lose their life. They were being confiscated, put in jail. The church was scattered. People thought, hey, what was a great church at one time has come to an end, but it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning of what God wanted to do. And so people went to Samaria and Judea and Antioch and they spread. And wherever they ran, they did finally what Jesus asked them to do. Go to the world and bring the gospel. The first Gentile church, non-Jewish church, is, is found in the book of Acts chapter 13. It's the church of Antioch. This was a young church gathered together. And I want you to notice what this young church did and how they kept their faith red hot. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salmanus, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogue. John was with them as their helper. I want you to notice three things that this church did to keep their faith red hot and three things I believe that are necessary for all of us to keep our faith red hot. Number one, if you're taking notes, jot this down. They were engaging in intense seasons of missional fasting and prayer. Notice what it says in verse two. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. 
While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, you say, well, what were they fasting for? It doesn't tell us exactly, but I think that they thought they understood that God was doing something and that they needed the power of God to do it. So they fasted and they prayed for God to move. And while they were fasting and praying, worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said to them, Now, how did the Holy Spirit say it to them? Well, not through an audible voice. It tells us in in verse one that there were some prophets that came. Prophets were people that just came and were men or women of God who walked with God and lived with God and had a word from God for this church. And so the Holy Spirit through through the prophets came and spoke to the church and, and said, Barnabas and Saul are to be set apart and they are to go on basically a missionary journey. Now, I want you to remember this, a couple things about this. I want you to remember that God speaks mostly to us when we're listening to him. But there's a difference between God speaking and us hearing God. You see, I'm a father and I have children. I can't fathom or imagine not speaking to my children day in and day out. If I walked home and there they were in the living room just walking by them, not saying hello, not saying good night, not saying how your day's going, just walking and completely week after week and month after month just being silent. I can't fathom doing that as a father and neither does our heavenly father do that to us if we are his children. But I have had experiences where one of my kids is in their room and they have their headphones on and I'll say, time to come down for dinner, silence. Time to eat dinner, no response. I don't know if I'm the only one that does that, but when they're upstairs, it seems like knocking on the wall. And then someone opens the door and says, Dad, did you want something? Yeah, I've been calling you to dinner. Oh, I couldn't hear you. Now here's the point. The point is that I was talking as a father, but they were unable to hear because the noise in their head was louder than my voice. Okay, some of you need to listen today. God is speaking to each one of his children. There's not a day that goes by, I believe, or a week that goes by that God is not speaking to your heart and your soul. This is Bold Steps Weekend, the Bible teaching ministry of Mark Job, and we'll continue with part two of this message, Keeping Your Faith Red Hot, when we return next weekend, so be sure to join us then. In the meantime, we encourage you to visit our website at boldstepsweekend.org and take a look at all the exciting opportunities and resources we're offering, including our most recent Bold Action Gift. And Mark is here one more time to tell us a bit more about it. When you pray, do you feel confident, bold, and inspired? Do you approach God with excitement, anticipating real change in the wake of your prayers? Or do you feel a little shaky, unmotivated, and unsure of what to say and how to say it? Well, 
This year, you'll have a unique opportunity to experience a breakthrough in your prayer life. Starting this month, we're offering a book called A Journey to Victorious Praying, Finding Discipline and Delight in Your Prayer Life. My friend, Dr. Bill Thrasher, has written this empowering guide that will help you take practical steps towards a deeper and more meaningful prayer life. It's not just a book about why you should pray. It's a map for how to pray in ways that actually bring you closer to God. This year, I want you to see the full potential of your prayer life. So request your copy of this bold action gift today. We'll send you a copy of A Journey to Victorious Praying when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. All right, thank you, Mark. Just visit us online with that gift at boldstepsweekend.org. Make your donation and request this bold action gift. Or call us at 866-535-5580. And I'll repeat that, it's 866-535-5580. Or you can send your financial gift in the mail Just address your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Now, before we end today's program, I want to remind you that if you ever miss Bold Steps Weekend on the radio, or if you'd simply like to listen again while you're out for a walk or running errands, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. With the podcast, you'll get each of these lessons delivered automatically to your mobile device for easy listening on the go. You can also hear the program through your smart speaker at home or on any Alexa or Siri-enabled device. Learn more about that when you visit boldstepsweekend.org. Now for Mark Jobe, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for the inspiring second half of this lesson, Keeping Your Faith Red Hot. Learn how to stoke the coals of your faith through every season next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Old Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.